What is design thinking? Why should organizations adopt this practice or approach for designing and developing their products and services? How is it being used in organizations and in the industry today? What types of tools are used for design thinking? Hello everyone to another episode of DigiBiz Central podcast on organizational excellence. I'm your host, Wasim Rashbad. In today's episode, we will attempt to answer these questions. But first, a note about this specific podcast. The DigiBiz Central podcast is focused on covering various aspects of today's digital business, particularly on business strategies, as well as management methods and practices that drive organizational excellence. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast to ensure that you're always getting notified on future episodes as they're published. Also, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or whatever channel you get this delivered on. We highly appreciate your feedback. In this episode, we covered the topic of design thinking, which is a problem-solving approach used in the design and development of products and services, and in solving other problems as well. So let's get started. Design thinking is a problem-solving approach and has been in use over the past few decades in all types of organizations to get deeper insights about their users and create innovative solutions for tough and complex problems. For example, we see most top-notch consulting organizations actively tout its use as part of their consulting engagements to deliver solutions for their clients using design thinking approach. And most product design organizations today use various types of design thinking methods to design and develop their products and services. Accordingly, the need for design thinking skills has skyrocketed as well. For example, just typing the phrase design thinking in LinkedIn or any other career website will reveal tens of thousands of jobs where design thinking is required as a qualification for the job. The reasons for this high acceptance and demand for design thinking are clearly attributed to the many benefits that it promises as well as uh, delivers. For example, in one of the Forrester research studies commissioned by IBM last year, they found that using design thinking organizations slashed the time required for initial design by 75%. Project teams were able to create better designs aligned with the user's needs and requirements. Organizations experienced reduction of development and testing time by 33%, and teams were able to cut design defects in half. Overall, these benefits helped in the increase of revenues and resulted in higher customer satisfaction. So why design thinking, and what's its significance? To set some context, let's remind ourselves that in today's digital world and digital economy, Organizations are making numerous investments to build the best possible digital experiences for their customers. Everyone knows the importance of delivering the best products and services to transform their customer experiences, whether they are building apps, websites, or other digital or even non-digital products and services. The focus is on providing the best experience to the users to allow them to engage more with an organization and its products and services. This higher engagement then drives their audiences to higher conversions and customer retention. From that standpoint, design thinking is just the right approach as it allows one to focus on the human element rather than just the technology. 
We see many making this mistake even today, where people get enamored by digital technologies and end up developing their products and services by not giving the human element the attention that it needs. Design thinking allows us to refocus on that human element because at the end, that's what can drive a product or services acceptance. So we can say that design thinking is one of those methods and approaches that provides the opportunity to deliver those superb, delightful, and high-quality user and customer experiences to our users and customers by combining their deeper unmet needs with digital technologies as well as the enterprise process and goals. This then leads organizations to deliver differentiated products and services to its customers and other stakeholders and users. Now a little background on design thinking. The roots of this approach or methodology or process or whatever you want to call it date back to the 1950s. One of the first researchers who is known to have used the term design thinking was John Arnold from Stanford University who coined this term in his paper titled Creative Engineering, Promoting Innovation by Thinking Differently. Since then, a number of researchers have advanced this idea. It was then in 1991 that David Kelly, also from Stanford, launched an organization to advocate the use of design thinking to solve business problems. This organization later became what is known today as IDEO. IDEO has developed a number of high-profile products. For example, it designed Apple's first computer mouse, many high-tech medical and industrial equipment, the 25-foot mechanical whale in the movie Free Willy, and numerous others. Today, IDEO is quite successful, and very recently it was ranked as one of the most innovative companies in the world by business leaders in a global survey by the Boston Consulting Group. Also, Fast Company ranks IDEO at number 10 on its list of the top 25 most innovative companies. The company has also won a number of awards, such as the Smithsonian Cooper Hewitt Award, National Design Museum's National Design Award for product design, and there are others. So this gives us a picture of IDEO and their success due to the use of their design thinking approach to solve their clients' business problems and challenges. If you're interested to get the original paper authored by John Arnold on creative engineering, I have included a number of resources, articles, ebooks, and other resources on design thinking on our website at corpexcellence.com slash design thinking. That's one word. So now let's dig a bit deeper into what is design thinking, its advantages, and the types of problems that it's used for in organizations. And let's start by reviewing a formal definition of design thinking. I'll use the definition of Tim Brown, who is the CEO of IDEO. He defines this term as follows. Design thinking is a human-centered approach to innovation that draws from their designer's toolkit to integrate the needs of people, the possibilities of technology, and the requirements for business success. So, as an example, assume that one is trying to build a system for its users within an organization. In a traditional approach, one would compile a list of those user requirements and pain points at a higher level. But the idea here is that unless we get engaged with the users at a deeper level, we may not be able to get the real insights and a more complete picture that may be at the root of their unmet needs. 
So it's not until we engage with the users more deeply in an attempt to get a deeper understanding of their environment, their practices, etc., that we would start to surface the real challenges and issues related to their work, and it's only then we will start to surface real insights about their work that can then lead us to devise real solutions. If we think about it, it's not about the features and functions that count at the end, but rather striving to meet the user's needs and their overall satisfaction. The industry has been bogged down for too long in incorporating new features and functions in their products and services, but neglecting whether they all translate to true user needs and whether there are needs which remain unmet. Design thinking is now being used in the design of all types of products and services. So, for example, it is being used in how banking services are delivered to customers. Organizations are also using such approaches to streamline an organization's processes and in their delivery of IT applications and systems. Most organizations are using this approach in the design of websites, apps, and other digital products and services. It's also very much being used in initiatives that are focused to change an organization's culture for it to become more innovative and for it to think creatively. So basically it's being used at all levels of the organization and to deliver all types of business outcomes and not just in the development of products and services. Next, we will cover the essential and typical five steps that are followed in design thinking. These steps were initially devised at Stanford University. Before we do that, you should keep a couple of things in mind. First, this is not the only process out there. There are other variations of these in use as well. People and organizations have tailored the process to fit their environments and to fit the types of problems that are more relevant to their organizations. The second point is that the process is not strictly linear. Although it may seem that way as one goes from one step to the next, but one can easily jump between steps to further develop the problem and its solution in each of the steps as required by the as required by the desired outcomes. So now let's review Stanford's five-step design thinking process. The first stage in design thinking is that of empathize, which is about putting oneself in the shoes of the users and customers to get a complete understanding of the user's problems and issues. Going through the step enables problem solvers to see, feel, and experience the situation from the user perspective. So this requires that designers take a journey into that experience by being with the users, talking to them, understanding their needs better, and so on. This is that step where rather than simply getting a list of requirements from the user or their pain points, we delve deeper into understanding the real needs of the user, their environment, and their other motivations and preferences. We can understand the underlying principle of empathy by recognizing that as designers and builders are usually not the users of those systems, they need to get as close as possible to the users and customers by living and feeling the same challenges and experiences. Doing so helps one get relevant insights that one is unable to get otherwise. So during the empathize process, we go through a lot of observing, interaction, collaboration, and engagement with the users to get insights about them their desires, preferences, um, motivations, uh, pain points, and so on. To get that complete picture and understanding of the users and customers' environment requires one to engage in the discussion with a beginner's mindset, not to presuppose anything, 
to listen attentively to the users and from there get insights that one can then use to develop the solution. One of the popular examples that is cited in this regard is when a team at Stanford decided to solve an infant mortality problem where infants in underdeveloped countries were dying because of hypothermia. So to understand the problem better, they felt it was important for them to experience the conditions and problems faced by those who had experienced this. For this experiment, the team therefore visited Nepal, which was one of such countries experiencing this challenge. Their initial solution was to make the incubators cheaper, to make them affordable and widely available in hospitals. But as the team later found out that making them affordable didn't really solve the problem, as they noticed that the incubators in the hospitals were still sitting empty. After visiting the country and the area hospitals, the team discovered that the problem was that parents with such infants lived in rural areas and had difficulty in traveling to city hospitals. So this shifted the focus from making incubators cheaper to making them portable instead so they could be made easily accessible to the people who needed it in those locations where it was difficult for them to get to a hospital. There were other features built into the product after reviewing locals and others who had more insights to the problems. All these insights eventually led them to design a product which was more readily accepted by people and ended up saving many lives. So by factoring empathy in the equation and by speaking to hospital staff, villagers, and people who had lost children and others enabled the designers to get additional and relevant insights. That's the power of empathy. The next stage in design thinking is that of define, which refers to defining the problem from a user perspective rather than from the designer's perspective. As we enter the define state, we already have a lot of information. So at this stage, we essentially have to synthesize all available information and to define the overall problem. This may involve defining the main problem statement, decomposing the problem further, and to create statements for each of the decomposed problems. Defining the problem this way not only helps in defining the boundaries of the problem, but also helps in establishing a basic framework for the next stage of the design thinking process, which is to start generating ideas by solving the problem. Defining the problem this way not only helps in defining the boundaries of the problem, but also helps in establishing a basic framework for the next stage of the design thinking process, which is to start generating ideas about solving the problem. Once we have defined the problem, we get into the third step of the design thinking process, which is that of ideation. This is where the problem solvers generate as many solutions as possible. In doing so, they engage in what is referred to as divergent thinking, which essentially means to get creative and expand and diverge to generate as many ideas as possible. There are many ways to generate ideas, but one of the more popular ones, and one that's still very much in use today, is that of brainstorming. The brainstorming session doesn't get into the details of each idea, but rather stays at a high level. Once enough ideas are generated, then they are clustered, and the team then converges onto a few ideas. These ideas are then taken forward for prototyping and testing. The next stage in the design thinking framework is that of prototyping, where we take the key ideas that we generated in the ideate stage 
and then reflecting those ideas in some type of a prototype. Having a prototype allows multiple types of users and stakeholders to get aligned on the idea before the organization moves forward on the idea and decides to invest more to take the idea to a full-fledged product or service. The prototype provides people the opportunity to comment about it and provides everyone the opportunity to engage in a shared conversation about the idea, to test their assumptions, and to validate their hypothesis. By having a conversation around the prototype also sometimes results in more and better ideas. The final step of the design thinking exercise is to test the prototype. This provides problem solvers the opportunity to get more insights about the solution, which can help in redefining the problem, learning more about the users, and even in the generation of new ideas. Again, after having looked at all these five stages, let's remind ourselves that this is a general process and everyone who adopts design thinking tailors this depending on their business situation, the product and service that they are trying to design and build, or the problem that they're trying to resolve. Also, after having reviewed this five-step process, one observes that this approach brings together a number of techniques and approaches that have been used successfully in the past. These include, but are not limited to, to correctly defining the problem, aligning all users and stakeholders on the problem, getting to the root of the user's needs, pain points, idea generation, prototyping, testing, and so on. So design thinking has brought them together to apply them more effectively in order to solve various problems. Now, let's review some of the tools and techniques that are used in design thinking. As this is an overview episode of design thinking principles, I'll cover a high-level view of the various types of tools and techniques that one may use to help through the various stages of design thinking. In later episodes, perhaps we can go over some of the specific ones in more detail. But in the meantime, if you're interested to get more information on this topic, I have included a number of resources and tools on that on the page that I mentioned at corpexcellence.com slash design thinking. So when we talk about tools in the design thinking context, these are those tools that can help us through the five design thinking stages that we just covered a little earlier, uh, which were empathizing, defining, ideating, prototyping, and testing. So here's a short list of those tools and techniques. One of the tools used in the design thinking process is called empathy maps. This tool allows one to profile customer segments and to document everything about them to better understand their world, including their pain points, requirements, use cases, etc. This is done by recording information about the user into four quadrants. These four quadrants record information about what the user said, what they did, what they thought, and finally, what they felt. Having this information can help in the creation of a more detailed persona of the user or user groups. The information collected in empathy maps can then help in identifying and synthesizing the needs of the users and also leads to insights that can help in generating the right ideas. Another technique that is used in the design thinking world is referred to as the golden circle design technique. This technique or tool can help one brainstorm through questions arranged on a number on a number of circles arranged from a smaller circle to a larger circle moving outward with each circle covering the why, how, and what of the problem. And based on that, one can then better define the problem scope 
and the underlying story behind the problem. Another technique that's used popularly has to do with the creation of customer journey maps. A customer journey map is a visual representation of the various steps that a customer or user goes through to achieve a specific goal. The customer journey map usually starts from the first customer touch point and continues until achieving the final goal. This tool can help you, for example, visualize if your users or customers are achieving their goals through their journey, and if not, what can be done to help them accomplish that, and also what steps can be taken to make their overall experience more delightful. For example, one may decide to provide the customer or user a specific type of content in the middle of their journey to educate them on the product or service that, that the organization may be offering. There are other tools and associated templates related to defining the problem's value proposition. Tools to create user interfaces, story pitches for one's ideas, uh, creating business models on a canvas, or tools that facilitate brainstorming, tools for prototyping applications and wireframing, uh, animation tools, whiteboarding applications, uh, creating and sharing ideas, sketching, and so on. To conclude, if you're looking for more resources on design thinking, generating ideas, prototyping, and more, there is a whole section on corpexcellence.com that lists them. Visit corpexcellence.com slash design thinking, that's one word, and you will see very useful links, ebooks, tools used for design thinking, and other resources that you can use to further your knowledge and understanding of this topic. Again, thank you for listening. If you found this episode to be useful, please give it five stars on whatever channel you're getting this episode on. Also, don't forget to sign up on corpexcellence.com to get more information on various management and organizational excellence topics. With this, we come to the end of this episode. Look to get more episodes covering strategies and best practices on driving excellence at all levels of the organization. Again, this is Wasim Rashput and hope to see you soon on future episodes. Thank you.